Welcome to Good Enough Parenting, the place where not-so-perfect parents tune in to be reminded that our kids are going to be okay, even if we don't always know what we're doing, are making a million mistakes, and trying new things. I'm Carly Aroldi, a family play therapist, childhood mental health expert, and good enough mom of two. I may be the expert in childhood mental health, but you are the expert on your kid. And by combining my practical, peaceful parenting tools with everything you already know about your child, you and your family will experience more calm, more connection, and more cooperation in your daily life. So let's throw out the idea of the perfect parent and remember that our kids just need us to be good enough. Because if you don't feel like yelling at your kids sometimes, you're not spending enough time with them. Let's jump in. Hello again, and welcome to Good Enough Parenting. I was listening to an interview with Amy Edmondson recently. Amy is a professor at Harvard. She's an organizational behavioral scientist, and she wrote a beautiful book called The Right Kind of Wrong, The Science of Failing Well. And Amy speaks about something called psychological safety, and she talks about it mostly in, you know, corporations or organizations where people need to feel free enough to be able to fail. And so when people hear the term psychological safety, sometimes they're like, oh, is that like safe spaces and you can't say anything to anybody anymore? But it's actually the exact opposite. It's feeling like I can make a mistake. I can put a toe out of line. I can mess up and I'm not going to be seen as a failure. I'm not going to be canceled. I'm going to be held with compassion. I'm going to be held with empathy rather than being punished or um, being held vindictively. So it really started to resonate with me and the work that I do with families and the importance of having psychological safety in our families. So what does that mean? What does psychological safety in our families actually look like? So first, let's look at the kid level. So kids need to feel safe to screw up. Childhood is all about making mistakes. It's all about messing up. Because we're practicing for adulthood, right? We're practicing how we want to be, how we're going to learn. And if a kid feels like they don't have any room to mess up, they have no room for error, first of all, it's going to cause a lot of anxiety. And second of all, they're not going to ever feel free to practice, right? They're never going to feel free to kind of loosen up and try new things because it feels too scary to them. And this came up recently because I had a friend call me around 8.30 the other night And she told me that she was tucking her seven-year-old into bed and her seven-year-old goes, mommy, I have to tell you something. And I'm sure as a parent, you know, those late night chats are super important and also can sometimes be a little bit nerve inducing because you're like, what do you need to tell me as you're drifting off to sleep tonight to clear your conscience? But the seven-year-old had said, I stole some money from my brother. And my friend kind of freaked out, didn't know what to say. So she was like, okay, we'll talk about that tomorrow. Shut up the lights and then called me. <laughs> and I love it. I love being this phone call. I love getting calls from my friends that like, okay, my kid did something. What do I do now? And so I wanted to reassure her, first of all, that her kid was not a psychopath. Her kid was not going to become some sort of serial thief, that it's really, really common for kids this age to kind of experiment with wrongdoing, especially when it comes around like money or treats or things that they really want, but don't always have access to. So first, just reassurance that your kid is a normal child. But secondly, I really wanted to promote the idea for her that she needs to be the safe space for her kid to talk to. That if we take these moments and practice 
being empathic and compassionate rather than punitive and vindictive, then our daughter, her daughter is going to get the message. Oh, I can go to mom when I've messed up. I can go to her when I've done something wrong and I'm going to be held compassionately. So I told her, you know, when she wakes up, first, you're going to thank her. You're going to thank her saying, thank you so much for being honest with me, because that's the most important thing. And then secondly, you're going to validate for her that it was really hard to hold a secret. And I literally use that exact language with families or with children. I go, it's really hard to hold a secret in your heart. And once you tell someone else that secret, everything feels better. And she did report to me that she told that to her daughter and she goes, I just feel so much better for telling you. So you're going to thank her. You're then going to say that was hard to hold and validate that she did the right thing by telling you. And then you're also going to figure out ways to like make it right. Right. Like the one of the ideas about when we fail, we also can um, make up for our mistakes. So whether it was she would do an extra chore to put extra money back into her brother's piggy bank or whatever she could do, they brainstorm some things that she could do to make it right. But my friend also came to me with this fear of, well, do I need to like hide the money now? You know, I leave my wallet on the table. Should I not do that? Is she going to steal things now? And so we have to pause from catastrophizing for ourselves as parents. But then also remember when we actually get punitive, it doesn't stop behavior it actually makes behavior sneakier. And sometimes the uh, example I give when I'm teaching workshops or talking to big groups, I have people raise their hand and I go, how many people here have ever been issued a speeding ticket? How many people have been caught speeding and got a ticket? Bunch of hands raise up. And then I say, okay, and then for those people who have their hands raised up, keep them up if you've never sped again. If that really taught you your lesson, you never did speeding again. Of course, all the hands go down. Because punishment makes us sneakier, it doesn't necessarily make us act more morally or in the right direction. So if we get really triggered and then we hide the wallet or hide the cookies or lock things up, it then instills the message to our child, ah, I don't trust you. I don't trust you. And if a kid doesn't feel trusted, then they're going to act in all sorts of ways that are not in their best interest and not healthy for our families. So I made sure she planted the seed in that conversation of, hey, you are seven years old. You're not quite sure how to stop yourself from getting something that you want. But guess what? That's okay. And so we're going to practice. And I promise you it's going to get easier and easier to not touch things that aren't yours or grab things from other people because your brain is learning how to do that. So rather than saying, I don't trust you, I'm going to hide all of our money. It was, I know you're learning this and I'm trusting that you're going to be able to do it. And that message was so powerful for her daughter. She said, mommy, I promise I'm not going to touch your wallet or I'm not going to touch my brother's money ever again. And my friend said, yeah, you might. And then you'll tell me. You might do it, but I know you'll also tell me. So we'll figure out how to make it easier for the next time. So we're not expecting perfection. We're just expecting progress. And I tell the story because it is much easier said than done to be able to be the psychological safe space for our children. I had a similar thing happen to me recently with my son who recently started middle school. And we've been trying to be very hands off, right? Like, hey, you're in middle school now. You could handle your stuff. I'm not going to be checking in on everything for you. 
And my son came home the other day and he's like, I need to tell you something. I'm like, oh God, what? <laughs> what do you need to tell me? He's like, uh, I may have missed some homework assignments and I uh, did this X, Y, or Z. Anyway, you know, a couple little academic slip ups. And of course, my rational mind is like, hey, this is where he's practicing. This is where he's learning to double check the homework. This is where he's learning to double check his backpack to make sure he has everything in it. Yeah, if I was in my calm, rational, Carly Council self, I would have been like, what beautiful psychological safety. He made mistakes and he came to me. But no, my irrational mom self was like, how could you forget this? This is going to impact your grades. You know, I don't even know if you're going to be able to hold down a job because you clearly can't organize yourself correctly. And my husband had to kind of talk me off the ledge and be like, I think you're catastrophizing a little bit. But this idea, its I just want to validate, it is really hard. It is really hard to be able to hold things when your kids tell you they mess up. It's really challenging to be able to say, I hear that, I understand it, and it's okay. Eventually, I got back to it. Eventually, I said, you know what? Mommy freaked out. That was ridiculous. You were fine. You're supposed to be making mistakes now. This is the time to make the mistakes. We got there. Took a minute, but we got there. But the broader idea is also... When your child feels comfortable telling you these little things like, oh, I forgot my homework assignment or, oh, you know, I stole a cookie and when I knew I wasn't supposed to have any before dinner. When they're comfortable telling you that stuff and you hold it in a way that is compassionate and understanding, they're going to be so much more likely to tell you the bigger stuff when the stakes are really high, right? When people got drunk at a party and did some stupid stuff, or they're supposed to get in a car with a friend and that friend is clearly inebriated, right? When the bigger stuff is happening, if you are not as reactive to them, if you're not as triggered by these scary moments, they're going to be much more likely to come to you for help and support. And that's the real goal. That's really what we want. And so that's kind of psychological safety from a child perspective, But we also need it from a parent perspective. We also need to be able to make mistakes and screw up and know that it's okay. I think about at the beginning of COVID when schools like shut down and things were getting really wild and we were homeschooling for the kids and I had set up this beautiful chart, right? This beautiful like, okay, uh, we're going to do reading from like 8 to 8.30 and then from 8.30 to 9, we'll do math. And then at 9, we'll have a morning meeting. And then at 9.30, we're going to do this. And it was color-coded. Oh my gosh. I probably even posted on Facebook. You could probably dig past through my old posts and be like, look at how wonderful I'm doing homeschooling my children with this chart. And it lasted two days. It lasted two days. And I had to say to kids, I'd say to my kids, hey, mommy tried that. It did not work out. That was a big misstep. That was a big fail. And that's okay. I'm learning. This is not going to be a good fit for our family. And you can ask my husband, I make parenting missteps all the time. Like sometimes I'll be like, let's just try and ignore all of the tantrums. Let's just not, let's not watch any tantrums and just do our own thing. And that when my kids were younger made the tantrums actually increase sometimes. So my husband's like, how's this working out for you? I'm like, not so good. Let's try something else. But I don't want people to be afraid of failure. Don't be afraid to make those missteps because that's how we're going to learn what works. That's how we're going to learn what feels good and also what is effective for our own families. I hope this was helpful. I hope that you leave today's talk with a little more freedom to make some mistakes, to stretch, to grow. And remember that we want to create that sense of psychological safety within our own families so that our kids can do the same. Thanks for listening. 
Thanks for listening to Good Enough Parenting. If you'd like to learn four simple play therapy techniques you can use at home today to create more calm in your family life, go to paceparent.com forward slash play to get a free video where I'll teach them to you. And you can always hear more from me at Carly Councils on Facebook and Instagram. And if you like what you heard today, please rate, review, subscribe, and share this episode with a friend, a sister, a spouse, any parent who could use a reminder that our kids don't need us to be perfect, just good enough. Until next time.